Hello, friends. Welcome to Understanding Kindness, a podcast hosted by me, Danny. I'm someone who approaches life by learning from everyone around me, and I've decided to write it all down and talk about it here with you. I've learned that in order to create change in this world, we need to understand ourselves and the world around us, all while infusing kindness into everything we do. If I can do it, you can do it, and we can do it together. Welcome to Understanding Kindness. Hello there. Today I want to talk to you about art. I'm going to talk about art within U.S. society and how we create art. I want to get into why I believe we need more artists and why art is so devalued in U.S. society. I'll discuss how art makes us feel and how we can create societies that allow us all to be artists. I'm excited to do this one, as it's mostly off the cuff. I hope you enjoy this little piece of art. In today's Native segment, I'm highlighting the Winnemucca Indian Colony once again as they're in urgent need of support. If you'll remember from a few episodes ago, the elders of the Winnemucca Indian Colony in Nevada have been facing abuse and evictions from the Bureau of Indian Affairs, an arm of the U.S. government. Currently, the elders are facing a, quote, cleanup, a.k.a. home demolitions. In a recent It's Going Down episode titled This is America, number 158, Hunger Strike at Santa Rita Jail, Police Attack Encampment in Boise, Update on Resistance at Winnemucca, they talk with elders and land defenders at the Indian Colony about what's been going on as of late. Though this interview was recorded before the current home demolitions that the elders are facing, the community is still going through the same bullshit discussed in the episode with the BIA. And now they're ramping up. On the Winnemucca community Instagram page, Nuanin Sokopa, they've recently posted about needing support urgently to combat these, quote, cleanups. Currently, the Winnemucca Indian Colony are asking for eviction defense, legal observers, Nevada and tribal lawyers, community support, healers, warriors, and protectors. Home demolitions are scheduled for the 10th, 11th, and 12th of May 2022, so your support is needed immediately as of the release of this episode. If you're in so-called Nevada and can make it out to defend Winnemucca Indian Colony, contact Nuanin Sokopa at ProtonMail.com to make arrangements. The more people the community has to defend itself, the more likely these indigenous elders will not be displaced from their homes. Make it out if you're able, or spread the word. You can find updates on what's going on at the Winnemucca Indian Colony via their Instagram account. There you'll find a link tree to donate to their legal fund, help medics get to the encampment, sign a petition to have Judy Rojo, the chairperson of the colony, to officially resign and to address and stop the evictions, and many more interviews and ways to learn about what's going on. If you're able to make it to Winnemucca this 10th through 12th of May 2022, don't forget to reach out to them directly before heading over to the encampment by emailing Sokopa at protonmail.com. And to listen to the interview update, check out the It's Going Down episode, This Is America, number 158. I'll link all of this in the show notes. Yo, it's patron time. What up, my patrons? Thank you very much, you the real ones. I'd also like to give each and every listener a shout out today. I've been real inconsistent with this podcast over the past six months, and I so appreciate every one of you who continue to listen and who share the episodes. A lot of the time, I'm unsure why people would listen to this show, but watching the downloads go up over time makes me believe that y'all are doing it for some reason, so I'll keep going, I guess. 
Thank you, though. For real. Things are starting to settle more into a rhythm for me in my life, so I'll try to get my shit together soon with the show. Thank you again, and I love you. If you'd like to support the show financially, visit Patreon for monthly donations or PayPal for one-time and recurring donations. There'll be links for both in the episode notes. We need more artists. We need more art. We need more people creating art. All of us are artists. We're all capable of creating. I've heard some indigenous cultures speak about how all we as human animals do is create art. It's what makes us human. It's what connects us to our nature. We need art. And there's a big reason that we've been led to believe that it isn't as important and necessary as it is. You could probably guess this reason from the last minute or so of dialogue. And if you've ever listened to this show, yep, you guessed it. It has to do with our current society in the U.S. and with our human nature. I am, of course, speaking only about U.S. society. Many societies and culture value art as the necessity that it is. The so-called U.S. is pretty unique in how it devalues art and artist, and this can all be tied back to white supremacist, also Christian hegemonic, cishet normative, ableist, fatphobic, capitalism. We'll mainly focus on the white supremacist aspect in this episode. Before I take you down that road, I want to talk about how creating art is in our human nature. How it is our human nature. When you think about it, we are always creating something, whether it's literally our bodies creating secretions or emotions or gases, or our minds creating through our hands and voices and movements. We are always creating. Our entire lives are a big sweeping creation. Everything we do as human animals is art because we are art. Paintings, buildings, murals, poems, movies, books, meals, clothing, dance, music, gymnastics, soccer, a highly curated Instagram page, a business, towns, culture, government, race, hierarchies, religion. All of these are art, in my opinion, because they're created by human animals. Even as this is true, I think it's important to ask how the art that we create makes us feel. From that list, when we look at what I'd say U.S. society would deem as art, so paintings, murals, poems, movies, books, and buildings to some degree, they're creations that more explicitly elicit some type of emotion that speaks to the human experience. We're told that these things are art, and the rest of society is, well, just that. The rest of society. Art itself is placed as apart from society, at least in the so-called U.S. Art is not seen as a valuable, integral part of this society, and thus it is devalued. Now let's bring in the capitalism lens. In a capitalist society, you want to create forevermore so that you can continually gain capital and power. This works best when you have someone else do the labor for you while you sit back and reap the rewards. We'll address this bit in a moment. In U.S. imperialism specifically, this society is based around business because that's how you gain capital in capitalism. So everything in U.S. society is created to bolster business because gaining capital is how you gain power in capitalism. 
This next part goes hand in hand with race, and it creates the racial capitalism that we see today. So let me go over how race factors in. Because capitalism is based on hierarchy, as in you need workers, and you need someone overseeing the workers, and someone overseeing them, and so on and so forth, you need to deem one certain group of people as the workers, and historically, white people have made BIPOC be the workers while they reap the benefits of everyone else's labor. And this is how capitalism started in the so-called United States, and that is how it currently operates here. Of course, this society would lead you to believe that we have reformed our society and everyone is equal now, with equal opportunity to become the boss and be the one who oversees the workers. Because it benefits the capitalists who rely on your labor for their wealth to keep you thinking that if you just work hard enough, you too could be rich one day. This is a fairy tale. Guess who the capitalists are, by and large? Yes, white people. Guess whose labor they are and have been exploiting since they thought up this sadistic idea? Yep, BIPOC. If you're thinking that our society no longer operates this way, you are wrong. Why are there still wage gaps? Why are prisons disproportionately filled with BIPOC? Since we live in racial capitalism, BIPOC are exploited overwhelmingly more for their labor than any white person in the so-called U.S., BIPOC have to work more to get paid less in order to afford literal necessities for life that they're charged more for on average simply because they're not white. We, as white people, continue to allow racist capitalism to persist. And I think a big reason is because we're so far removed from art. The issues start when we begin denying this essential part of our beings. We're literally removing ourselves from nature. And you can see this play out in the English language itself. I believe I talk about that a bit in episode 44. Now let me rant at you about English for a bit. I'll link that in the show notes if you want to listen to more about that. Basically, the English language removes the human animal from nature themselves by creating hierarchies and binaries that keep human animals separate from nature and all other non-human animals. And we watch this actualize in our society. And again, because we're specifically talking about U.S. society, we are talking about racial capitalism. Though an argument can be made, and I believe has been made, that no other type of capitalism can exist. Anyway, so within this hierarchical society that separates human animals, specifically human animals with white skin, from other non-human animals, there is a hierarchy of something we call race, to indicate which people become the workers and which people oversee those workers all the way up the chain. The way that this hierarchy works is by placing certain races as closer to, quote, animal, and thus lower on the hierarchy, while, of course, placing white people as furthest from the, quote, animal, and thus highest on the hierarchy. Now, this is a pretty complex topic and one that takes a lot more explaining than I can do justice for in this one episode. I learned about this from reading AFCO's and Silco's book called Afroism, Essays on Pop Culture, Feminism, and Black Veganism from Two Sisters, and from listening to Christopher Sebastian's talks. I'll link both of their things so you can dive deeper into that if you'd like, and I would highly recommend that you do. 
basically the level of knowledge on this that you need to continue here is that we absolutely do still live in racial capitalism in the so-called United States. And this affects art and artists in a myriad of ways. If we think about it, it's not surprising that marginalized people tend to have such rich cultures. Culture is needed to support and sustain communities in the face of oppression. Marginalized people, especially BIPOC in the so-called United States, have survived through their culture. And within culture is creation, is art. And maybe now it's a bit easier to see why U.S. society would want to devalue art. A la the war on drugs, devaluing art devalues BIPOC and marginalized communities. It keeps them from being able to live on being connected to their cultures within capitalism. Why do you think the starving artist is such a trope? Capitalism wants to starve the artist so they don't speak out about the injustices within capitalism and the crimes of the United States and all colonizers. Artists speak the truth. They speak of the pain within a society. Of course, the United States wants to devalue the artist. Devaluing art is another way to devalue the BIPOC experience, to devalue any marginalized group's experience. Capitalism doesn't want anyone to believe that they're an artist because it needs you to be a worker, especially BIPOC. Yes, capitalism really doesn't want anyone to be an artist, but there are probably many more artists of color than there are white artists in the so-called U.S., most white artists, like most white people, are unaware that they are living within white supremacist, Christian hegemonic racial capitalism and that they benefit from it, so most art by white people is inconsequential, which works out just fine for capitalism. I am not saying that white people should not be artists or consider themselves artists. I'm an artist, and I'm white. I'm just stating the fact that white people being artists is a lot less risky than any person of color doing the same, which is true for everything. Everyone is an artist, and we all need to come to realize that. Like I mentioned before, human animals create so much art. Paintings, buildings, murals, poems, movies, books, meals, clothing, dance, music, gymnastics, soccer, a highly curated Instagram page, a business, towns, culture, government, race, hierarchies, religion, to name some things. Literally everything we do is art because we are art. We are creation. How does whatever we've created make us feel, though? The things that I said were considered art by classic U.S. society are the things that I think, even when eliciting, quote, bad or so-called negative emotions, still make us feel good. We need to feel all of our emotions. I think when I ask how it makes us feel, I'm really asking if it makes us feel oppressed or makes us feel free. We need to turn towards the art and creation that make us feel free. We need to create societies that make all of us feel free. The best news is that our species has done and is doing this and we can turn to indigenous cultures and marginalized communities to lead the way in the creation of these societies. We need you to be an artist. We can create societies outside of capitalism, where everyone is an artist, and we all have everything we need. It's how indigenous cultures have lived since time immemorial. It is possible. It is essential. 
We need to create art that makes us feel free. We need to create societies that make us all feel free. We can do that by simply giving this stolen land back to their indigenous caretakers. U.S. imperialism and white supremacist Christian hegemonic racial capitalism has always tried to destroy every ounce of art that speaks of the pain that it creates. And because BIPOC and marginalized communities have so much culture, and thus art, it's easy to see why art is devalued in this society. Devaluing art devalues the artist's experience and thus allows capitalism to carry on its merry way, exploiting everyone for their labor, while the white capitalists at the top reap all the benefits. They don't want you to know that you're an artist. You have the power and ability to speak about your pain, to elevate the voices of marginalized groups, and to speak out about the pain of others. You can, and you need to. We all need to. We all need to create art that makes us feel free. We need to look to and turn the power over to indigenous cultures and marginalized communities to create societies that make us all feel free. We need to rediscover the nature within us and let it out in the art that we create. Each of us has this within our beings, and the easiest way to achieve this is by land back. BIPOC artist to the very front, please. Boom! It's recommendation time! My biggest recommendation from the main topic today is AFCO's and Silco's Afroism, essays on pop culture, feminism, and black veganism from two sisters. For more on those exact things in the title, go for a deep dive into the hierarchy of racial capitalism. Another big one is Any Talk by Christopher Sebastian. They're a black vegan who discusses very similar topics. I'll link the book and some of Christopher Sebastian's talks in the show notes. I also briefly mentioned episode 44 of this podcast called Now Let Me Rant at You About English for a Bit. Take a listen to that if you'd like me to rant at you about how English separates the human animal from all other non-human animals. And lastly, learn up on what's happening at the Winnemucca Indian Colony in Nevada by listening to the It's Going Down episode, This is America, number 158, and by following the Nguyenin Sokopah Instagram account. You'll find ways to support them there. If you can head out to the colony this 10th through 12th of May 2022 to help resist the home demolitions, get in touch with them via email at nguyeninsokopah at protonmail.com. I'll link everything in the show notes. If you enjoyed this episode, help support the podcast. All this content is free and I'd love to make it my job one day. So if you're financially able, join our Patreon or send a one-time or recurring donation through PayPal. You can also share an episode with family or friends and give UK a kind rating and review. Check out understandingkindness.com for all episodes, transcripts, and blog posts. And why not take a listen to my other podcast, Better When Awkward, co-hosted by my childhood best friend, Jasmine. Get in touch with me by emailing understandingkindness at protonmail.com or through social media. You can find all links in the episode notes. For now, be kind, be compassionate, be understanding, and question everything. I'll be here. Thank you for listening to this episode of Understanding Kindness.